Andy Fenton. Brother, happy Wednesday. Wine happy Wednesday and some kind of indescript. Maybe it's oh offline. <laughs> that is uh, that does look hideous. Maybe you should have put a small amount of red food colouring in there, and no one would have known. Um, <laughs> that's a great. That's a that's a great tip there. That's, that's a, a great, great tip. tip. <laughs> uh, Wealth and wisdom today. I've got a little bit of wine, and Andy's got some some hideous green looking stuff that he's on a bit of a cleanse, ladies and gentlemen. So today, you never know. He might be energetic, or he might be uh, apathetic, or, or 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 all the ranges in between. So, um, mate, uh, great to catch up with you again for another wealth, wine, and wisdom, or green weird stuff for you for one or two weeks for the next couple of weeks. But uh, yep. we've got a few people jumping on now. Um, uh, as we roll. So, gang, give us a shout-out. where If you're on, where you're from, who's dialing in, be great to hear from you. Um, oh, there's Chris. He's, uh, he's jumped on there. Thanks, Chris. Good to see you, mate. Um, and uh, as, we, uh, as we get things rolling, Andy, I uh, might just do the quick intros. Uh, if anyone's joining us for the first time, welcome. If anyone's coming back for another Go at uh, listening to what we've got to say, then welcome back. Appreciate your return. Um, Andy Fenton, 20 years in the world of finance, banking, and financial planning. Jason Witten, 20-plus years in the world of property investing and coaching property investors and running multiple businesses. Same with Andy, runs business, uh, has done in multiple places. We get a chance to share some of our wisdom Andy's catch cry is often more wine than wisdom, but we try and keep the wisdom flowing um, more than the wine uh, <laughs> on <laughs> on uh, on these days. Uh, it started out for us on a Friday, sharing when COVID hit, we wanted to support our communities financially. Uh, some of the times things are a bit confusing in the world, and uh, we hope to shed a bit of light on that from our experiences and point of view in our industries. So. Welcome along, gang. Um, appreciate you popping along and uh, uh, having a bit of fun with us. So just so everybody knows, uh, we do the show in kind of three segments these days. We've kind of given it a little bit of structure. Uh, we do a segment called What's in the News. Andy and I will talk about some of the things that are topical this week and last week, showing up in the news and giving our uh, opinions uh, pontifications on what that might be. Uh, then we thought we might do take a chance to teach a few little things. We're both educators at heart. We love the understanding of knowledge and applied knowledge becomes power and confidence, certainly in our worlds. Um, uh, so we take a chance to teach one or two things. And then last but not least, as we go, if you're sitting there today, and if you have any questions about the world of business, financial planning and banking, about the world of property markets um, and uh, those sorts of things, then start thinking about what they might be because uh, we'd love to hear some questions from you guys uh, about uh, what's on your mind, anything that you need to uh, have a chat about. So, so, gang, welcome along. Andy, anything else that I missed? Um, um, no, mate, I, I reckon you did a pretty uh, pretty good job there, getting getting pretty decent at it, mate. We've condensed what used to take us about uh, thirty five minutes down into less than five. But I just, I just realised that it may almost be the wine and wisdom or the wealth wine and wisdom's uh, first birthday. Uh, that's got to be coming up pretty soon. 
Oh, we should have we should have uh, we should have uh, organized some virtual cake or something like that. So yeah, well, when did it start? It, it was around this time, wasn't it? When did sort of COVID hit? So yeah, well, maybe that's be- the first question. Does anybody remember the first episode of Wealth, Wine, and Wisdom, and and what day it was? <laughs> I, I remember. Uh, I remember it. It was uh, in the middle of a, a fair bit of chaos that was going on, and the world has come uh, along leaps and bounds since then. We're in a very, very different landscape. At least in Australia, we are. Yes, uh, and and a lot has been happening. But uh, mate, I reckon we jump straight into what's in the news if uh, if you'd like to. Let's because, do it, uh, mate. What's in the news? You've got some uh, pretty interesting stuff to to share with everyone today. So, uh, Andy Fenton, uh, let's give it a let's give it a drum roll. What's in the news? What have we got today, Andy Fenton? <laughs> well, mate, uh, something, and this this is actually from last week. And uh, apologies to all that we couldn't make it on last week. But uh, what is now half a percent of the global in, uh, wealth wallet? What is now half a percent of the global wealth wallet? What I mean by that is something has just passed, uh, I won't tell you the number yet, but uh, has just uh, soared through 0.5 of the total amount of funds invested globally. Uh, wow. Which is a pretty okay. incredible feat. Uh, so well, well, while, we're, while everyone's pontificating that, so what is or what, what asset, is that right? What asset or something like that yep, yep. had 0.5 of the global investment wallet um, received the investment in? But we've got a few people dialing in. We've got Anne Cairns. Great to have you, Anne. Awesome. Craig. Mate, uh, Craig or Craig? You, you never know with that thing. I, like, you know, but uh, Craig, good to have you on, brother. Um, fantastic to see you. Uh, what shifts have you, got, you guys noticed in the economy? That's a good one. We'll save that for a bit later, Craig. Good question. Thanks, mate. Chucking that one out there. Uh, as always, Alison, great to see you. Um, fantastic. Uh, as always, uh, Nat's here. Um, there you go. And um, and uh, Craig reckons there was leather couches involved when we first kicked off, Andy. Um, mate, I think, I think we- there might have been yours and my face on a Chesterfield uh, yeah. somewhere at <laughs> Uh, so, but uh, it, it feels like it feels like a lifetime ago in some in some respects. But uh, well done, Craig. I do remember the leather couches as well. <laughs> we haven't come far at all, really, given how long we've been doing it. But, uh, but it's good to see you all. Put it in the question box to uh, or in the comments field if you know what is as an asset class is shooting past 0.5 percent of the total investor wallet uh, in the in the world. So a pretty significant milestone. But uh, before we go into that and before I answer it, some of the things that have been topical in the news recently that is kind of in my world and something which is now becoming more and more prevalent and we're starting to watch it for a lot of reasons. Uh, And so there's these things out in the world and they're called NFTs. Uh, Any idea what an NFT is, Jace? An NFT. Uh, I've heard the term. I don't no. know. I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. It's, uh, so it stands for uh, non-fungible tokens. Uh, and these are hitting the news from the perspective of uh, more so uh, of people trying to um, protect their intellectual property or there's been a lot of artwork that's been traded. <laughs> no friggin' time, says Craig. I love it. <laughs> 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 Mate, that's uh, that, that's pretty much on there. No, no friggin' time. No, it is non fungible token. So these things are effectively digitally verified uh, sources where you can lodge your artwork online, and it's kind of like a digital trademark in in some 
versions. Like you could have a, a baseball card, a digital asset, a digital baseball a baseball card, if you will, and a non-fungible token is sort of its registration on a global marketplace, uh, which is a really interesting concept because I linked it in here and I'm going to join a few threads together, but um, it was billionaire Mike uh, Novogratz who just recently uh, said, and I quote, uh, NFTs are fundamentally going to change the way that we secure intellectual property forever. Um, NFTs are now stored on the blockchain, and that's a big call. So NFTs are stored on the blockchain. And for those of you who don't know what the blockchain is, the blockchain is actually the founding technology that sits behind all of these wonderful currencies that we're hearing about, like Ethereum and um, and Bitcoin, so on and so forth. But mm. what Blockchain to me is is almost like a registration platform that is verified from various different sources around around the world. And this technology is growing, and the fact that now art is being sort of trademark stamped, if you will, by it, and and that people are registering digital assets now because digital assets are, are one of the new things. And Jace, you and I gave a presentation recently about one form of digital asset, which is databases, um, you know, uh, pixels and things like that. Yes. These things are now being registered uh, and traded as NFTs, non-fungible tokens, on the blockchain. Uh, so, mate, really interesting space. And this, this, I mean, it's got a long way to go, but big statement, it is fundamentally going to change how we secure our intellectual property forever. So watch this space is, is my guess. There's going to be a lot of turbulence while I get it right but, mate, a really interesting concept. But, yeah, I mean, you brought this up a little while ago, Andy, you know, the um, the too big to fails, right, um, and um, some of these businesses. Let's say for America, for example, Australia has a, a little bit uh, of a different uh, too big to fail um, uh, collective. But, you know, those companies which are Facebook and Apple and Amazon and, and those, you know, in America – you know, are you saying, and I'm trying reading in, in the lines here, like those entities, those companies creating their own, you know, their own currencies, their own M- NFTs, they're, they're like they're going to be have some power in this sort of space. Is that is that kind of where we're, where we're sitting right now, that, that kind of idea? Mate, we, it was almost like we briefed this beforehand. And so anybody who knows, <laughs> Jason, I mean, knows that we share half a brain, but we don't often brief before we chat. But, mate, spot on. Uh, and this brings me to his comment because it, it was his comment uh, on Bloomberg last week that really got me thinking around it because some of the things that he – and they're big comments. And this is an ex-hedge yes. fund manager. I think he's worth about $5.5 billion, So you tend to take a bit of notice of, of what the guy has to say. And um, so – it came from this this article here because uh, he was saying that he's bought Facebook to capitalise on the company's digital wallet. Now, the digital wallet, so let's sort of just go backwards a little bit. I've just talked NFTs, so that's traded tokens and, and, and in this concept of NFTs, it, non-fungible means it can't be changed into anything else that's what fungible means i love the word fungible it's a fun i was going word. to ask about that that just seems like a weird word something to do with mushrooms but fungible or like I don't <laughs> non non-fungible so if something is fungible it can be made into other things like plasticine is fungible 
right? Uh, so no, well, I didn't know that. I've just I've just added some knowledge to my grey matter, which which is awesome. I love, one of the reasons I love hanging out with you, Andy Fenton. <laughs> and everything for the next few days around all of our listeners is either going to be fungible or not fungible. I'm not sure that my diary is very fungible at the moment. Uh, love the new words. Love, love fungible. It's one of my favourites. It really is. Fun word, but uh, so non-fungible just purely means that it can't be trans. It can't be transposed. It can't be broken off into anything else. It can't be divided yes. into multiple parts. So the, this idea. So we've gone blockchain is the founding registration system for non-fungible tokens, which it could be your IP, Jace. It could be the Mona Lisa. It could be a digital baseball card. All right, and these digital assets uh, get registered and verified on the blockchain. So then we go to blockchain being uh, currency-based, things like Ethereum and Bitcoin. And I'm not going to go into too much detail uh, in in regards to how that all works. If people want to know, we'll go through it another time uh, and we can think of a different type of acronym for it. No freaking time. I love you, Craig. <laughs> That's awesome. But so this got me thinking. Billionaire investor Mike Novogratz uh, bought stocks to capitalise on company's digital wallet launch. So just check this out. So Facebook's Novi Wallet, and we heard a bit about it previously, Novi Wallet aims to allow users to send and receive a DM digital currency, formerly known as Libra. Uh, it's a blockchain payment system that is uh, that uh, that has faced multiple roadblocks in the past. It was meant to launch uh, early in 2021, regulatory concerns around Facebook's privacy have, have stopped this. So the rumours are that this is going to come later in the year. Now, the reason why I think this is so, so critical to watch, I'm not saying that it's going to come true, but I'm saying that we really should be watching this as investors, uh, property investors, business people who are investing in their own businesses. Uh, I think this this is a movement that needs to be watched. And I've always said it, it may not be Bitcoin or Ethereum, but the the technology that underpins it is literally going to change the world. And the reason why I think this is extraordinary to watch is what is the, what's the current user uh, database of Facebook at the moment, active users? Do, do you know oh, what the number is? I know what it used oh, to be. It would be hundreds of millions, if not a billion, wouldn't it? Like, I mean, it would be massive. Um, I'll see if I can actually find it. Uh, I'd track it down. Well, you know, um, no, it's in the billions. So, it, it, last time I saw it, it was about two and a half billion. Uh, uh, two, oh, here we go, two point eight, two point eight billion. And let's verify the statistic. Okay, I can't verify the statistic, but two point eight billion uh, from an un, uh, unverified source. Uh, that is your distribution network. So, imagine even if it was a billion. Even even if it was a billion, Craig's got two point eight billion in there. But even if it was a billion, that's still a that's still a lot of distribution, Andy. Well, we've just verified it by a uh, by a lazy blockchain, right? So we've, <laughs> we've we've had one one other data source actually confirm that it's right. So it must be true. Um, <laughs> but that said, that that is their exposure. They do not have to pay to market to that two point eight billion users, and they're giving you the ability to have an asset that is not fungible but can be exchanged, right, for other services, goods advertising perhaps, uh, which is completely non-centralised, right, is decentralised. It's got nothing to do with reserve banks. It's got nothing to do with with other companies. Speak, uh, speak in layman's terms there, Andy. Like, I mean, like you're saying now, like in, in other than decentralised, you know, basically it's not controlled by the government, right? Um, and I think this what terrifies, you know, uh, a lot of governments and, um, 
you know, when you and I sit and have a few extra wines after Wealth, Wine and Wisdom and we pontificate, we get to points where we're like, holy crikey, like this, if this thing goes in this direction, shit, everything, that everything's going to be new. It's going to be so unbelievably different, you know. It, but, you know, talking today about that, it's becoming becoming so apparent that we're heading in this direction you know for 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 every industry and understanding it the sooner the better yeah absolutely and so it may not be digital currency per se that you look at it may just be the technology but this is definitely an eyes on uh this is definitely an eyes on and look anybody who wants to read articles there's he's quite provocative uh in his commentary so he doesn't mince words but uh, definitely worth a listen uh, well, because mate, this is going to be a very, very, very interesting race because if Facebook launch it and launch it well, imagine how explosive that is going to or the the rate of change that's going to come from it because you will have people launching into this. You will have trading apps launching into it so that they can trade yeah. stock via digital wallets. They'll have uh, Facebook ads. They will have Facebook Marketplace. Like it is the epicenter of being able to trade, start off something like this. And you reckon that Facebook uh, created a, a revolution once? It may well be that they're set to do it again. Uh, it's just really interesting. Like it's a big Hail Mary at the moment because there's so much that needs to fall right, but it's an interesting one to watch. Mate, uh, mate I, I think uh, you and I talked about this uh, this unofficial, you know, Call or prediction that you and I uh, every now and then put ourselves uh, put ourselves out there and go right. What does it look like? Well, I I one hundred percent believe that we have got one of these big giants. And uh, if you stop sharing for a second, I'm going to just quickly share something uh, now, which is um, which is something in this space uh, also. I think I've got there. We go um, and uh, whack me up in the corner there. I'll go over the other side. But, uh, you know, if we have a look at what this might look like, and and you and I saw this just recently, have a look at the size, the top five, have a look at the top five businesses, uh, and I'm going to include Tesla, so let's just get rid of that. But have a look at the top five. Have a look at them. And you, you call it the two big to fails, right? Apple. Microsoft, Amazon, Google, Facebook, and Tesla, right? That's the top five American businesses that have reinvented themselves in the last, you know, generation or whatever it might be. But they are platform, internet-led, like those businesses. So, for example, what you're saying when it comes to, all right, Facebook's going to have a crack at, you know, these things, which whatever it is, if it's digital currency, a digital bank, NFTs, blockchain. No, like it makes so much sense. It's so obvious that one or all of these six are going to nail it, right? Um, because when you have a look at Australia, have a look at how in reality, you know, our top six are so kind of a hundred years ago. Um, in reality, when it comes to where we might be, we've we've got this little cheeky one right here, which is Atlassian, which is a quite an interesting company, an Australian tech company. But uh, you know, BHP, National Bank, Combank, CSL, Westpac, and banking, farming, 
mining, and banking. That's it. That's Australia. And when you look at America, you look at other places in the world when we're talking about these things, I think I just it mind it might I get tingles, Andy, you know, and for those still listening in, you know, um <laughs> you know, take notice of this stuff, you know, because you know, if we if we retrofit this Andy into potentially, you know, you know, some investment ideas for us into the future, you know, what does that look like for us, you know? It, we we got to have a piece of this stuff in our portfolios. Let's face it. We think mm. Facebook is worth something now. It, it's arguably one or all six of those those behemoths in America will nail, will become banks, will become like they'll control money, money um, instead of banks. Yeah. What do you what What do you think? You know. Well, exchange. Uh, they'll control exchange. Exchange, right. yeah, that'll be the middleman, right? So, it, it whether it's currency, uh, whether it is you know what's mine is yours for a fee, which is that gig economy, uh, where you can literally trade, you know, yourself or your services, uh, yeah, or a non fungible token, which might be you know, a credit <laughs> of some fungible. I, I need I need a little bell every time you say fungible. I think. it's. It, it, like us, and this is this is going to go. And I know something that you're going to bring up. I just know that you're going to you bring it up because I've had a few people message me throughout last week about it, and um, so I know it's on your talk book and your talk track tonight. So we'll, we'll chat about this further when you get to chat about some of your topics because, uh, uh, mate, I believe fundamentally believe yes that people should be getting into some of these asset classes, even in small, tiny, tiny ways. Yes. Um, it's just the mechanisms of how we can actually do that and how we can do that lawfully, legally and responsibly, which is, uh, which is a big question and it's a hard one to, to tick off on at the moment because uh, it's sort of, it's, it's, all, it's, it's a bit of a self-directed journey based on some of the legislation. But- a little bit wild west, a little bit wild west, Andy. You know, I mean, Chivas, you know, Tesla went and bought, what, how many billions of dollars or hundreds of millions of um, Bitcoin did they, they take a piece of and, you know, there's some big players playing in this thing now, and you know, if, if it's if it's grandstanding, if it's for real, if it's whatever, the the light is firmly shining on this space. And you know, for many of us, um, the, it's still wild west, is what you're saying. It's still wild west. There's still a, lo- a long way to go, but um, you know, for a small amount of risk capital, yep, for a small amount of risk capital, you know. You, you wouldn't want to miss the boat. You want a piece of the action. So, but anyway, that's not investment advice. That's just pontification with wine and green juice that we're drinking tonight. <laughs> well, mate, I've got and oh, I can't bring it up right now, but it, what, something really interesting happened because Elon Musk uh, basically said that he thought that uh, I, I can't remember exactly what he did, but he tweet he tweet tweeted he tweeted uh, that he thought that Bitcoin was a little bit overvalued and that the share price of Tesla. Literally, uh, within a day and a half, it might have been, no, it was a day. It, literally, in a day, it dropped 21.6% on the oh. back of him. Uh, that's the kind of effect that he has, right? But yeah. uh, his share price dropped by 20, 21.6% because he said in a tweet that he thinks that maybe Bitcoin was a little bit overpriced at that point in time. <laughs> and one of the reasons is that's one of the biggest assets on their balance sheet. Yeah. Right. And there's a whole lot of funky stuff which we can't get into, uh, but there's a whole lot of reasons why you can hold stuff like that on your balance sheet. 
and why it's good to hold on your balance sheet. Um, you know, mm. potentially you've got to know what you're doing, but there are some funny well, reasons. Why. Yeah. Well, I mean, one of those things, Andy, um, I think you and I chatted about it a few times ago with Tesla. You know, you, you know, I'm a big fan of Tesla and and um, Apple. You know, they're one two, two of my favourite companies um, for a couple of reasons. But um, you know, Tesla entered that domain now, where it entered the the uh, was it S and P 100 or the uh, one, one of those S and P 500. And it yeah. and we we actually called that when it, when it happened, and it we shot did. up. We did, out. yeah. Twenty percent, I think, straight after, yep. maybe even thirty percent straight afterwards. Yeah, um, I think. But so we did it on the, the Thursday before it, uh, on the Friday before it actually happened. So it happened in the Saturday morning after Wine and Wisdom. So we woke up with a headache and uh, and the, <laughs> and a twenty five percent increase in the in the Tesla share price. And the share prices. Well, listen, um, uh, I'm not quite sure who uh, chucked this one in, but. Uh, but I think I don't think you're way off the mark with Australian Steel, gang. Uh, one of the things I haven't got it in my talk track tonight, but uh, just quickly thought I'd talk to it. Uh, Blue Scope, uh, you and I talked about this, Andy. Uh, I just got notice from uh, four of our builders um, at Positive that they're all going to steel frames. Um, I, I th- listen. I think I think it'd be worth a little cheeky punt on Blue Scope or whoever provides those frames. It is Blue Co- it's Blue Scope Steel. Um, that uh, I can see the next two to five years that framing being quite significant because, yep. unfortunately, you know, 70% of the Australian uh, pine industry burnt down or was, was bushfire affected and then um, the rest of the, the world's provision has been absorbed by America in short term. So, yeah, I, I think you'd be all right there, whoever that was. I, unfortunately, your username's not come through, so give us a shout-out who you are, where you're from. But um, there you go. Um, all our builders too. So uh, one of the one of the crew just giving that shout out there um, well, mate, about it's, uh, builders. It's well, it's not been a, a bad little journey for it over the course of the year, and it has been spiking over over the last month or so. Uh, not yeah. exactly in line with markets, but um, but yeah, look, could be. And again, this isn't advice by any stretch, but it's just interesting. <laughs> Because it could actually be a major trend, you know, as so long as you know, we're because we can't get the lumber in, uh, and if yeah. we keep building, then there will be a pocket, right? Because there's also you know a shortage of real estate, and they, that means that they do need to to build more. But um, uh, it could, it, I reckon, it's definitely one to watch there, mate. Because uh, we're, we're hearing more and more about the construction side on on uh, on Blue Scope Steel. Uh, and those guys are already set up for it, and there's a big inertia. And so, one of the great things in business, if you've if it's if you're on the right side of it, is barriers to entry. And so yeah. they've been doing that for a long time. They don't have a monopoly on it, but uh, they're they're very well established. So for somebody to break into that market is going to take a lot and a lot of cash, and also time to be able to do it. So uh, they've certainly got a good run. Should that be the way things go? But, um, yeah, no, it's, a, it's an interesting one. Well, we've got uh, Lauren. Uh, thanks, Lauren. Shout out from ACT. Unfortunately, depending on it's us or whatever it might be, we we, uh, we can't see your username, so good to see you in. And somebody's driving, and, yes, don't text. Don't text and drive. It's dangerous. <laughs> but thanks for dialing in while you're driving, uh, whoever that is. That's great. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's awesome. So, listen, uh, uh, I thought I'd uh, give a bit of a shout-out for what's in the news for me. Um, you know, a few little interesting things uh, over in my neck of the woods, what's in the news. 
And I think you and I could sort of wax lyrical about a couple of these, uh, Andy, when uh, when it comes to what's going on in, uh, I think, in both of our necks of the woods, really, at the end of the day. Where let's have a bit of a look at what's what's going on here. This one, I think, sad uh, and also, you know, maybe not necessarily sad, but I think, you know, you and I talked about this off air for a second, but, uh, you know, for everyone listening in, there are 50% less registered financial advisors uh, in Australia right now than there was um, in at 2018. And I've been critical of the financial uh, advisor industry for a while. Uh, you know, I think the skill set and the experience set is sometimes lacking. But on the flip side, I believe that it is a vital, absolutely vital, as, as vital as your local GP type of person to be in your six-star team when it comes to your financial wellness. And this this actually makes me sad because what I believe happens is that governments, I think lazy governments, lazy um, uh, authorities uh, actually end up doing something that makes it easy for them, but it actually ends up penalising, you know, regular Australians in the quality and the care that they can they can get when it comes to their financial needs. Um, and uh, you and I are talking about this is a sad state of affairs for our financial planning industry. Um, and um, like you said, the banks fucked it up, excuse the French, um, and now small individual operators are the ones paying the price, right? Well, mate, I literally uh, just today I paid uh, an ASIC fee, uh, which is one of several. So literally just before you can give any advice, your, your registrations uh, are a, a borderline in around the $10,000 mark uh, before you're allowed to even register under a licence. Um, and the ASIC levy, so what they've done is they've said, all right, we let the banks in. The banks did an incredible job of completely destroying advice, integrated lending, like the, the full box and dice. Like they completely bastardized it, profiteered off it. We all saw yep. it at Westpac uh, at the Royal Commission. Yep. And so they, they came in, obviously didn't do the right thing. Uh, not all of them, but, you know, there was a fair swag of them. And, uh, and anyway, so they've left the industry. They've left. They, they, they've virtually got no advisory arm, no wealth management arm. They sold off their advice platforms. They sold off their advisor platforms. They sold off their investments. They sold off their insurance arms, their managed fund. They sold it all. They got rid of it. They've gone, we can't make ridiculous amounts of profit in this anymore because we've come in, we've screwed it, and now they've brought the legislation in so hard and heavy that we, we can't milk it. Uh, but... The government continue to put in uh, more and more uh, penalties, more and more restrictions. And in this case, so literally a 60% increase in our registration fee with ASIC, two, just short of $3,000, I think it was, that we literally just paid today so that we can self-regulate, so we can pay ASIC to regulate us to make sure that we're doing the right thing by our clients uh, after all of the banks decided to piss off uh, and take all of the, the dodginess with them. Now. Yeah, I, know, I should probably say allegedly, dodginess. Allegedly, the, allegedly. <laughs> the the shame about this is is that that overregulation, because as an advisor, we have to tread so very very carefully, uh, because every ASIC's looking to shoot you. Everybody is looking to line you up and shoot you from uh, from the raw banking inquiry perspective, right? But where this really hurts the industry is a 
it's going to raise the cost of advice. Flat out, it yeah. just does because they hit us with larger fees. It flows through to the investor. It is always the case. Governments regulate and then everyone gives the government a big cheer. Yay, well done. Yeah, you've, you've fixed aged care. No, you haven't fixed aged care. You fucked it even further and the rest of Australia are now paying for the new level of incompetency that's going to go into aged care. That's, that's, a, that's me future gazing on what's happening in aged care. But that, that's effectively what's happened here. But you and this going back to the Ethereum uh, blockchain and investing side of the equation makes it really, really difficult for advice to be given on what could be the new uh, way that the world is going to operate because it's so heavily legislated from a perspective of what they believe is right. Uh, and things that they don't know about, then if they don't know about it, clearly nobody can know about it. So being able to give advice in that area is really extraordinarily difficult. And I think yeah. that is the shame that is going to come from all of this. Not only is there less, it's going to be more expensive. Uh, and those who want to be able to advise in the areas like we're talking about really have to put in a huge amount of work uh, in order to just be able to be licensed and, uh, and that often means that they've got a self-license so that they can give advice in these areas of crypto and so on and so forth. So it is a shame, mate. And ultimately, the people that it hurts the most uh, is your Joe, everybody out there. They should be decreasing the cost of advice, not increasing it. Mate, I completely agree. And one thing that, uh, you know, uh, I was chatting with some friends today and uh, I was I was sort of saying, hey, listen, I, like I believe there should be some redistribution methods at extreme wealth. Like I'm, I'm actually kind of a... A bit of a capitalist slash socialist when it comes to you know um, you know well, you know if you make a, coming out <laughs> well if you make a billion dollars you get a plaque right anything beyond a million dollars needs to be redistributed in some way like you know so you know and uh, there's a bit of tongue in cheek in there but also I, I think a bit of philosophy in there as well but you know what what I believe this type of like very short sightedness from the government and commissions and industry bodies that try to sort of pander to this stuff really at the end of the day what it does and we 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 actually see it in America and other places before we see it in Australia all this does is make the rich fucking richer and the poor become poorer because the the Joe everybody cannot afford you as an advisor Andy Fenton cannot afford to help Joe everyone uh, create some financial freedom. It's actually impossible. It's financially impossible for you as the provider to actually provide a service to help that person. And I think that's a shame. I think that's embarrassing. And I think that that is the thing that's overlooked with this type of legislation. I think it's disgusting in our system. It really fires me up because, you know, you know, Australia and in and, and many places is like, let's have a go. Everyone can have a go. It's a fair go for everyone. No, it's fucking not. It's not a fair go at all when it comes to this stuff because the regular person can't get access to Andy good advice or good finance or good you know investment opportunities or whatever because of this type of short term brain dead thinking. But anyway, there's my little soapbox moment on this one. <laughs> I know you know it's been it's been um, you know it's been an interesting journey to sort of get here. I, Let's hopefully, hopefully that uh, a little bit of sense comes through into the future for our industries, our combined industries. You know, um, you know, it's often you know one or two percent, you know, idiots in our industries 
you know, ruin it for others. And, uh, you know, that's that's sad thing, unfortunately. So um, as we go. But listen, um, here's one thing that I think you and I, uh, you know, we, we were calling this the other day. Uh, this this is, it's here. It's showing up right now. You know, the abundance of dollars is causing a headache for banks and investors and it soon could get worse. Uh, you were talking about this not so long ago. You know, money uh, right now for over a year has been um, slowly but surely uh, having limited choices for defensive places to live and, and, uh, and sit. Defensive assets in in the terms of you know Andy and, and financial planning and, and others and uh, now cash cash is worthless you know uh, it, it's where it sits idle becomes actually uh, a negative rather than a positive and uh, banks and many investors are now going well shiver me timbers how do we get this money where are we going to put this cash. Um, because there's a lot out there, Andy. What 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 are your thoughts? What are you seeing? Because I'm seeing huge amounts. Uh, yeah, yeah. The Panadol, the Panadol issue. You know what's going on here? Well, mate, um, when you when you stimulate as much as what they've done, uh, and when they're like we're in a unique position, obviously in Australia, where to a degree it's almost like nothing's happened in comparison comparatively to the rest of the world right yeah and, and i don't mean to uh minimize anybody's pain that that the, the covid will have caused but when we look offshore we understand that things are far worse uh but we've got a huge amount of money that's been printed like the biggest stimulus that we've ever seen bar none we've, we've done a lot in previous episodes about it yeah and you can't leave it in the bank you literally can't leave it in the bank because if you leave it in the bank, it's just it's literally devaluing. And so the biggest challenge is then, well, it's got to find a home. It's going to flow like water to the lowest point. And the yeah. lowest point is the is the investment. And uh, so people are literally and explains a lot of the volatility in you know Bitcoin, it shows a lot of volatility in financial markets, the positive volatility in property, not just here, but over in the US. I don't yeah. know too much about Europe at the moment, but U.S. property has has really come along leaps and bounds. Um, so it needs to be mobilised, or it needs to be bought back. And they, these things have been on lend for ten year cycles, right? So that liquidity is being pumped into the system. So it has to find a home. Uh, and ultimately, unless we see deflation, which I, I don't think that we're going to see, where asset prices devalue on mass. You know, milk gets cheaper, property gets cheaper, electricity gets cheaper, oil mm. gets cheaper, all of those sorts of things. So the average basket of goods that we buy gets less. Um, mate, we're going to, I reckon we'll see this redeployed uh, into investments. And the reason why it's giving everyone headaches is because everyone keeps on saying it's over. That's right. Everybody's right. been hearing it. It's overvalued. Yeah. Everything's yeah. overvalued, Jace. Everywhere I yeah. look, everything's overvalued. But what I know is that, yes, it might be overvalued by previous metrics, but sometimes metrics change and stimulus in markets change. And the the fundamental portfolio theory that advisors have been uh, almost statutorily uh, restricted to use, right, was, was built by a guy, uh, Harry Markowitz, which was uh, the, the founding building blocks of modern portfolio theorem through a mathematical equation of probability uh, and diversification. Now, the that diversification. Been, well, when was that? Like 1930s or something? 
mate, I can't even remember. I, I was about 20 years ago where I was saying that it was a, a, a dated philosophy that needed to be updated. Yes. Um, and and I've, ever since I joined the industry, I, I remember when I did my master's and we had to, to do so this, this matrix algebra statistics stuff into the third dimension and, uh, and <laughs> literally as we were doing this efficient market uh, theorem and doing the model portfolio theorem, putting it all together on real stocks and everything, everything was broken at that point in time. And you're looking at it and you're going, well, actually, the diversification makes no freaking difference whatsoever at this point in time. It was all bad. So, uh, so you know, the assignment actually proved that the thing didn't work, which is not what they are aiming for. But the this idea of modern portfolio theory or or diversification says that you have to have assets sat in cash, right? Yes. So what people will probably, and what they are doing is they're going into riskier assets because cash is, is trash. It's not earning anything. And if you park your money there, it's going backwards. So people yep. are either utilizing it or they're going to take on more risk, which means you get more potentially uninformed money in the market. And what that leads to is more informed money in the market waiting to take up on opportunities when uninformed money in the market shits the bed because of a large volatility event. And I think that, you know, we could have significant volatility events and volatility, I mean, markets, you know, crashing by 20%. And then a month later being up 10% from the previous highs. And the, the these are the types of things that can happen by having too much cash. Yes. Uh, and also, you know, the challenges uh, of having people, you know, managing money in, in what is uh, fundamentally almost a mandated, uh, statutorily, almost statutorily mandated type of investment philosophy uh, that ultimately is not going to serve you, especially if this growth cycle keeps changing. So if you change the stimulus, you inject more money, then all of a sudden the parameters change. And yes, it might be 20 years, they might normalize, but we might be non-normal for the next 20 years, which would mean, you know, when when it gets back to normal, it would be abnormal because it wouldn't be normal anymore if that makes sense. <laughs> Mate, I'm going to uh, cut that that last two and a half minutes out. I think that was gold. But there was so much value in that moment. Like I'm going to break it down in, in my terms to, to sort of see if I heard what you were saying. At the end of the day, there's more money than people know what to do with uh, and let's call it stupid money, right, dumb money. Let's call it dumb money. Dumb money will enter the market. And the smart money, the smart people will see that dumb money like a like a fucking great white shark sees a sees a, a sleepy seal, and it will be consumed like there's no tomorrow. And dumb money will do dumb deals. That's that's like like that's what I've experienced in the past in these in these moments in time. When dumb money, dumb money, like the money has to like get out of these positions because it's devaluing, and it'll enter places. Where it thinks there's no risk, and because of these short-term, you know, short-term adjustments in marketplaces, everyone thinks, "Oh, there's no risk in that." But then that dumb money will take that position, and the market will will beat it up. Basically, really, at the end of the day, that's my kind of interpretation in that in that yeah, in that sort of well, space. Yeah, <laughs> dumb and dumb. Two, it, dead right. <laughs> two two weeks ago, uh, this this man here uh, was in our wine and wisdom, and we were commenting on it, and the part but bill gross is pro- probably the most successful bond trader uh or bond investor the world's ever seen right and as a part-time gig uh he was playing the market betting and go and and his quote was 
He's ha- he's enjoyed summer going head to head with traders playing chicken on GameStop and other types of stocks like this. So what I, what I mean is that if you're the dumb money that's going in and 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 just feeling around and trying to figure out your way through it, these are the guys, or rather, these are the guys who are playing chicken with you. They're going, yeah. how long are they going to last? And and yeah. he's got a few billion in his in his pocket, and and you've got a few thousand in your pocket. Uh, and he's probably betting both ways, Andy. He's probably oh. that smart. He's betting he's betting three ways: whether he wins, loses, or draws, he'll make money anyway, right? But pretty yeah. pretty much it. It's he, he'll bet on terms, right? Yeah. So he'll he'll have a position for a, you know a, a week position, a month position, uh, you know six month position, a longer term position, and they're all going to be covering each other. And he's just waiting for people to make stupid decisions uh, with with their cash. And there's so much of it about now that uh, that these guys are going to have a field day. And realistically, yeah. now I really need to chat with uh, Dumb and Dumber. Is that us? Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. The Dumb and the Dumber money. You know, like it's just like you know the idea. And I, like that's the way I see. Good day, Aaron. Good to see you, mate. Good to good to see you dialing in. Um, but yeah, listen, I, I just I I saw it in the property game. You know. Uh, just prior to the GFC, there was more money than people knew what to do with. We, we, we'd had a property run like we'd never seen before. Like from 2003 to 2008, the property market had a steep um, gain like we'd never seen before. And, um, yeah, everyone was like, this will never end. Uh, everyone was like drunk from, you know, the, the champagne and caviar that they, you know, they were all eating. And, you know, dumb money, you know, entered dumber deals. And because deal flow in that world is important and, you know, just stupid deals and high-risk deals got done because there was no deals around. And that's part of what I heard you say before, Andy. In this world, when the money starts looking for opportunity, deals, people who put deals together, I know you've spoken about this before in your previous life as a reformed banker, bankers who are very clever people putting deals together that look great on the surface, but not necessarily great underneath. Um, consume that dumb money, and there's nothing people can do about it. it. Looks great, but then it's gone. So, you know, that's my call. That's probably my point about that bit in the news. Is for for those listening in, you know, don't be the dumb or the dumber money out there. You know, in that marketplace, don't get caught up in, you know, short term, short term uh, crazy ideas that you you know nothing about for the promise of. I don't know, fool's gold, let's say. Um, you know, long term, we always decide as investors long term to take a piece of action for 10, 12, 15, 20 years. Um, and, um, you know, if we are doing some small speculation, just know that if you blow your dough, it shouldn't it shouldn't bring down the farm. That's that's probably, a, you know, a, a part of what, what I was sort of sharing for, for my bit in the news. But um, a few other things going on uh, in my neck of the woods, Andy. And um, you know the the world of um, the world of real estate sort of keeps on turning and churning. You know, uh, Western Australia's got a little bit of little bit of uh, pressure on its marketplace right now. The supply chain uh, in Western Australia had been pretty average for quite a while. So um, you know, people camping out trying to get rentals. Here's one thing that's going to end. And we had a question before. We had a question before from. Um, uh, Craig, you know, what shifts do you think uh, think or not noticing since the JobKeeper got pulled? One thing that's actually happening in the property world, gang, is that moratorium 
on increasing your rents and the moratorium on you can't kick someone out and all of those sorts of things when it comes to properties and property and your rentals is actually coming to an end and it depends on where it all got engaged. But those moratoriums are systematically going to come to an end over the next three to four months in Australia across every state. So what you will see, what you will see is now the property investors, the landlords going, oh, hang on, you know, I dropped the rent a bit. You know, I, I did my bit for 12, 18 months. Gang, you know, the bank's not giving me any holidays on my mortgage anymore. We need to get back to commercial terms. And you're going to see, you will see, um, probably a little bit sadly, you'll you'll see a little bit of this rhetoric going around um, because, you know, like Andy, you said, the the cost of everything doesn't end up with the institutions because it all gets passed down to the end user and unfortunately it gets it gets passed down to the person who let's quite technically can afford it the least um, um, and uh, you know we've got to be aware of that one so gang you know here's a little thing to keep an eye on the rental crisis is out there and I think it's only going to you know have a two probably a two-sided effect here, you know, as a property investor. I, I like the idea of my rent going up. You know, that's part of what I'm here for, to increase my income. But uh, for some people, you know, that's that's going to bite. And I think that's part of the JobKeeper ending and a few things. But if we, if we think, you know, bigger picture gang, you know, uh, let's, you know, let's talk a little bit when it comes to, um, Let's talk a little bit when it comes to the philosophy of nature. You know, if something is kept alive by, you know, artificial means, it doesn't find its natural place. And um, nowhere in nature, you know, does, you know, artificial support ever occur. You either survive or you don't survive. And when, when something dies and moves on, nature creates something that replaces it, you know. Um, it gets regenerated, it gets redistributed into the, the ecosystem and, you know, reset as nutrients for something else. So too, I believe, companies, you know, companies that were sustained by JobKeeper should never have been sustained and we didn't want it to land at one point. I think it was the right choice personally. But now those ones that fizzle out now, um, I, I, I think that's normal and completely natural and those kind of those things will we will be redeployed into better things Andy is, is kind of what I'm trying to say Craig who asked the question um, it's because what happened yeah between I mean, now and previous times is that now we're going to have a lot that hits in a yep. very short period of time whereas previously if it happens naturally it tends to drip feed. You know, yeah. it's the game of who can hold on for the longest, which is a terrible yeah. game, uh, and yeah. it's not a nice place to be in business. And uh, well, it's just not a nice place to be in business. And, and uh, but the, that's the reality: is that one will go, then the next will go, uh, and it happens over a time. Now, it's highly likely that you're just going to see it go bang, and there will be a lot of the zombie businesses that just go bang, and that that will have effects. And we should probably yep. explore some of those because they're, they're quite easy to predict a number of them. Yeah. Well, I think we can sort of maybe circle around next week or the week after on some of that, that stuff, Andy. That'd be that'd be quite good. You know, it's like ripping the Band-Aid off, gang. It's got to happen. 
I don't think anyone needs to be scared or worried about it. Um, personally, I, I think there is plenty of money right now in the marketplace that will, when there's a when there's a gap and a valuable gap, there will be the things will flow to it. Okay, that that's that's what I do know. Nature abhors a vacuum. You know, um, when something crumbles, often if there is genuine value or opportunity uh, in in the in the ruins of that thing, other things will rush in there and and rebuild it from scratch. So you know, um, I, I was sort of saying the other day, even though I'm a I'm a property guy, I love I love the property world. I actually think the government made actually a very easy but poor choice to stimulate the the property economy in Australia rather than the business economy. Um, I think they should have. I think they should have. Um, I think they should have done a lot more for investment in businesses to create jobs in Australia. You know, small businesses, new ideas. But anyway, that's something we could probably talk about at another time. Even though I've benefited significantly, yeah, 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 from the property world, uh, I actually think it's very short-sighted, um, to be honest. Uh, but you know, it's working for the moment. Let's hope. Uh, let's hope. Australians can redistribute some of that cash and money into opportunities and job creation over this next three to five years is what we what we definitely sorely need, Andy. So, um, but um, last but not least, for me, you know, uh, what's in the what's in the news or something you should know that uh, the property market, especially in some of the major locations, which is the Melbourne and Sydney locations. And probably from a national point of view, you, Andy, you talk about this all the time, uh, is that uh, we have reached our previous highs in Melbourne and Sydney. Uh, those places have reached previous highs that were back in sort of 2017. Um, now we have uh, uh, reached our previous high when it comes to the property market index and uh, those values and prices, which is quite, quite interesting. So for me, uh, a lot of people talked about the property market. Oh, is it a bubble? Well, gang, it the you know the the market shit itself in two thousand mid two thousand and seventeen. It had a downward trajectory all the way to the beginning of two thousand and twenty uh, with APRA um, finance issues and the uh, the the election that uh, was threatening to get rid of negative gearing, which wouldn't have been a problem. Let's face it. Um, but you know, some people freak out about that stuff. But Andy, we're back at parity for values uh, and, um, or not parity, but at uh, recent uh, previous highs for certainly the big market movers, which are Melbourne and Sydney. And people go, "Oh, is there a bubble?" And I, and no, there's not. There's not a bubble. Um, <laughs> it's yeah, yeah, just to stop thinking in that term. Like it's a it's a stupid idea. Um, the market will pay the money. The majority of buyers are actually owner-occupiers, gang. And um, so, you know, what I find, Andy, and what I've experienced in the past is when owner-occupiers buy properties, they tend to stay. When it's investor-driven rises, which at this point it's, it is not, um, market gains can be eroded because investors often – Uninformed investors tend to be good time Charlies. They're like, I'm only in it to win it, and if I don't win in 12 months, then I'll get out and I'll lick my wounds and I'll lose money, which is dumb as no, it's stupid. Like I, 
it really annoys me the investors who invest in property and then leave after a couple of years going, oh, property doesn't work. Well, no, it doesn't work like that. Um, but anyway, I don't want to do another soapbox moment. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> there we are. There we are um, in, in that Perth. sort of space. So. little Perth, just, uh, just way back there. And, uh, geez, mate, it wouldn't take too much of uh, a bit of the mining resources sector to come back online for that to uh, have a fairly significant difference, would it? Mate, it got a poleaxing for quite a while and it's, it was one of those places that, um, you know, uh, when big companies leave town, it can affect quite significant um, populations, you know, and um, so uh, it was an interesting lesson, that one, and certainly for many people, um, you know, uh who were sort of right into that mining town philosophy for a decade, uh, mm. it was one that sort of bit them on the bum, unfortunately. So, you know, wasn't wasn't great. But Perth, um, certainly right now, is on the turn, Andy. And, um, you know, uh, some of our clients have just got into Perth only sort of three, six months ago. They're, they're loving it. Their rents are high and they've even got value increases in the short term. So sometimes it is about time-ing the markets. Uh, but, you know, let's face it, both you and I know time in the market is the real wealth creator. Um, it's not timing the market, um, whether it's the share market, whether it's the property market or the both, you know, um, the more we can stay in the market, more we can stay in the game, the better off we're going to be over a longer period um, if we don't do anything silly. <laughs> well, mate, just to, to bookend yours, uh Left-hand side, ASX, right-hand side, which is Australian share market, uh, and this is just over the last five years. Uh, whoops. So that big dip that you can see there, that's one year ago now. That's one year. It's a matter of fact, it's as probably something they should know is uh, the super funds out there plugging their uh, one-year performance most likely uh, at the moment because <laughs> yes, Mark has just gone off the 12-month return. So just be aware of that, uh, investors out there. But the point that I'll make on this one is Australian market basically back to where it was uh, before it fell. Uh, not quite there, but just almost. US market uh, leaps and bounds in front wow. of COVID. Uh, COVID well, looked like. Uh, doesn't that it, shine? Doesn't that shine on that, Andy, where we go, all right, Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Google, Facebook, Tesla? Uh, I, I think you've said it once or twice before the American market, like the percentage of those performing in this recent times would have just killed it, yeah? Absolutely. And look, going back to, to what you said initially about the Australians, the banks, the, the mining resources companies, most of those companies are 100 years old or, or more. Yes. Uh, and the, the top 10 or the top seven in America, uh, most of them aren't, haven't even hit their, most of them aren't even teenagers. Uh, and those that are teenagers can't drink yet. Uh, and the, uh, they make up the majority of the, the, the top five stocks by size uh, in the US. And That's nice, like yeah. you said, more focus on small business. And, and, and here is also, you know, one of my fundamental beliefs on it is that when you protect an ecosystem, you take away its, its ability to morph and defend. Uh, and ultimately, yeah. innovation more often than not comes from necessity. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes it comes from people just wanting to, to innovate and improve, but often it's there because people have to. And 
what we'll probably see now in Australia, should the, the government allow it and should the government embrace small business and innovation and not try and control it for its own advantage, but kind of go, let's incentivize free market, let's incentivize great ideas, not what we think is a good idea, but yeah. just what is what is potentially good business, then we will see innovation that will start. Mark my words, I reckon we'll look back in 10 years' time and some of the biggest companies of Australia in 10 to 15 years' time will actually come from this period of time over the last 12 to 24, uh, 12 months past to 12 months in the future. Uh, and uh, that is what I'm looking for is because if you don't allow us to be reborn uh, and find better ways of doing things, then we'll leave it to the rest of the world like America and their stocks will rise. Yeah, no, mate, dead right. And I think that's a great way to sort of segue and wind up this wealth and wisdom because, you know, I think dead right. What now, if anyone's listening in and you've got some entrepreneurial ideas, on the flip side of, hey, listen, dumb money and dumber money, uh, well, maybe take advantage of that. Maybe you've got a great idea that's the next, I don't know, the next, uh, you know, Tesla or the next Facebook or the next Google uh, and money's looking for a home. Money's looking for a place to go to work right now. There is more money looking for a home to go to work than than Andy and I have seen in our 20-plus years in this space. And I think I'm making a very uneducated, uninformed comment here, but probably at any time in world history. Um, I'm just, I'm just, I'm going to chuck a big comment out there. I think there's more money, you know, like there's more money than we've ever seen in the world's history, and most of it needs a place to go to work, gang. And if you've got good ideas, holy moly, it's time to get them out and up and raise some funds and build some businesses and do some good, crazy, cool stuff. That's what I think anyway. So um, there you go. There you go. Anyway, um, yeah. Hi, honey, I'm home. I think uh, I think that might be uh, my wife saying, hi, money, I'm home, or hi, honey, I'm home. <laughs> hi, money, I'm home. I don't know what's going on there, but that sounds good to me. <laughs> uh, fantastic. Anyway, gang, uh, well, I think we might call that uh, done and dusted, a wealth, wine, and wisdom uh, for a Wednesday. Uh, done. Andy, hopefully your green juice was lovely. My wine. Uh, <laughs> I had a nice wine today, Andy. Check this one out. <laughs> yeah, holding his nose. I think, I don't know. Uh, it was Barossa number one, a 2013 Shiraz given to me oh, by someone. Yeah, very nice. Saltram. Saltram, anyway. Oh, for those Saltram, listening. Yeah. Beautiful winery yep. down there. Well, I think it's one of Australia's oldest wineries, uh, if I believe. There it. There you should go. Be in front of label there somewhere. Well, uh, well, mate, you know your wine well, Andy. That's why. That's another reason I love hanging out with you. You make me look uh, a lot more sophisticated than I am, and uh, I, I'll take that. 1862. 1862, the first sure. number one vintage. Yeah, there you go. Hey. Well, anyway, that's kind of cool. Um, it was a lovely wine, and, mate, uh, I enjoyed that uh, conversation and a glass of wine with you, brother. Hundred percent. <laughs> well, yeah, another four weeks of this, and then uh, <laughs> it's not great stuff. Fasting and uh, and getting the brain and gut back into shape, it's good for you, but at the time, it feels a little bit painful. I can tell you that. But, mate, it's good <laughs> seeing you enjoy yourself over there, and mate. It's always a pleasure. Uh, all good. All right, mate. Let's call that one done and dusted. Thanks, gang. Great to have you guys on board. And as always, appreciate you supporting us 
supporting you. Um, and uh, the if you continue, we'll continue. We love it. So uh, yeah, thanks for hanging out. All right, gang. Well, before we before we duck off, uh, it's tax time coming soon. So we oh, will yes. have guests. Uh, so remember, tax time. Start thinking about it now, and we'll start bringing some really cool stuff uh, over the coming weeks. Yes, maybe we make make that a bit of a special in the next coming weeks or two. All right, tax time it is. Yeah. All right, mate. Great to hang out. Thanks, gang. Thanks, everyone. Adios. Bye for now.